a very somber and weird and and depressing episode of Wizards After Dark ahead. Uh, I felt it was necessary to do the podcast because mostly when uh, when people grieve, it's nice to hear what other people have to say sharing their thoughts about those griefs. And uh, sometimes it's even nicer when you're in the hallway of an arena and people are walking by talking and mucking up your sound on your podcast. Uh, that's why they have eulogies, right? You, 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 you want to grieve and you want to hear other people talk about that stuff. Um, and so we're just going to talk about this environment tonight during this Wizards game and, and, and Kobe. Um, I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And I'm here with our Hawks beat writer at The Athletic, Chris Kirshner. How's it going? Thanks for having me under unfortunate circumstances. Very, very. Um, what a, you know, Isaiah Thomas said after the game he doesn't think they should have played tonight. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kobe Bryant and his, and his daughter Gigi died along with seven others uh, in, a, in a helicopter crash earlier today. And um, Isaiah Thomas said he didn't think they should have played the games. I think it's a reasonable point. I don't sympathize with the position the NBA was in. Where I think they thought it would have been, it was just too close in order to make something, a decision that drastic. They edited some things, they got rid of pregame availability, all that stuff. But like, it, it felt like, I agree with Isaiah, that like it felt like a game that just like, it didn't feel like a real game. You know, it just felt like something that never should have, should have happened. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? and that was something that Trey Young actually said after the game too. Before the game, they were having a film session when they learned the news that Kobe had died. And, you know, shortly afterward, a lot of the players were like, why are we playing basketball today? I mean, a lot of them were, were super close, Trey included. Um, grew up going to his high school camp. Um, you know, his daughter, Gigi, the daughter who was involved in the, in, who was in the helicopter with Kobe, uh, Trey Young was her favorite player. Um, you know, they got to embrace um, back in November at a Lakers game, and you know, I I, f- I feel badly for the players because they're, I mean, obviously they're a kind of a bystander in all this. They have to answer questions. They have to play the game when probably a lot of them don't. Um, so it's just, I mean, a sad situation all around. And you know, during the national anthem, you saw Vince Carter wiping away tears, pointing up to the sky. Um, you know, they had a, a nice eight-second violation, 24-second violation to start the game. You know, Trey came out in the number eight jersey to honor him. I mean, there, there are only a certain number of things where you can honor someone of Kobe's stature, and I think both teams did a good job with that. Yeah, and I saw people post this on Twitter. I saw so Trey Young had 45 points tonight. Mm-hmm. The last player to have 45 points in a double double against the Wizards yep. was Kobe Bryant. Trey took 24 shots tonight. He shot 81% from the free throw line. It's crazy. Kind of kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I thought him wearing number eight was un- like unbelievably just mm-hmm. such an amazing idea. Um, I know how much he loved Kobe Mm -hmm. and him wearing number eight was just to start the game Mm -hmm. for the first 32 seconds of the game. Mm -hmm. That was one moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was awesome. And uh, I asked Trey afterward, like why he decided to do that. 
Um, you know, two reasons. Again, uh, Gigi, you know, she loved Trey, and I did not know this actually until a few minutes ago after talking to Trey. But Gigi was also training not only with Kobe, but she wanted to train with Trey's personal trainer as well, Alex Bazell. So that was how Gigi and Trey got linked up because she wanted to, you know, follow in her favorite players' footsteps, like Trey. You know, growing up, wanted to follow in, in one of Kobe's footsteps. So I, th- I thought that was awesome. Um, it, it's just, it's it's hard to talk about. It's it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, Trey mentioned afterward that um, you know there were a lot of emotions with him. Uh, you know, kind of an incredible moment. The you know right at halftime, he hits that half court heave, and I asked him about it, and he said he felt Kobe was with him when he actually shot that ball. So, I mean, I just can't imagine the emotions that not only he is going through, but all the other guys in the locker rooms. Yeah, it's it's you know Bradley Beal kind of said this well. He said after the game, he said he was our Jordan. It's kind of like this generation of players grew up. And, and Brad even acknowledged the, the complicated past that, that Kobe has in mm-hmm. terms of his reputation and all that. And he says, regardless, he was our Jordan. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who everybody grew up wanting to be like. And he's also the guy who, who really embraced this entire generation of players. Um, Isaiah Thomas was, was just heartbreaking talking to Isaiah Thomas after the game, who was really close with him talking about how he found about found out about his death because his sons called like his young sons called him to tell him and he just kind of took a second and then said let that sink in just just heartbreaking Isaiah Thomas says that he got close with Kobe after the the death of his sister and he had the injury and Kobe helped him through Gordon Hayward talked in Boston earlier today about how when he had the injury Kobe was the guy who was calling up and helping him through he's he's he really did go out of his way after his career to help this current generation. I mean, the last moments we saw him last night in LA watching LeBron pass him on the scoring list and him looking as happy as LeBron was that he passed him and just acting with class and dignity throughout. And I just, I I think it's cool when guys from the past appreciate future generations because you don't always see that. You see that from guys like Kobe, guys like Iverson is like that. And that always stood out to me in the, you know, the three years that Kobe, four years Kobe hasn't been playing. And not only that, but Kobe was also super vocal about WNBA and you know having those women get on the same level as the NBA players because you know not that many people are vocal about you know the, the WNBA players and what they're fighting for. And Kobe was one of those, you know, big voices that really push for, you know, more money for them, better travel for them. He was one of their, you know, their leaders too. Um, so it's, it's again, it's, it's just hard to talk about. And, and like you mentioned, a, a lot of the times this older generation kind of looks down on the, on this generation, the stat padding, the highlight, yada, yada. Kobe wasn't like that. You know, he invited, I think it was 24 players to um, the Mama Sports Academy this summer. Bradley Beal was one of them. John Collins was also uh, one of them for the Hawks. But you know, he, it, it was really clear that he wanted this next generation to, 
you know, he was okay with LeBron passing him. He, he wasn't bitter. He wasn't sour about the fact that, you know, another Laker who's obviously on the same level as Kobe as far as star power passing him. Like, he was, you know, he was okay with that. He was okay with this next generation and how they played and all that. So I think that says a lot about who he is, not only in the basketball community, but as, he, as a person as well. So my favorite Kobe story? And I've never told this. I learned this like three or four years ago. And so it might be dated. It might not be true anymore. Uh, but at least up until three or four years ago, it was true. I've never told this. And I, I hit up the person who told me today and asked if I could tell it. That person said yes. Uh, and this just hits me, I think, because I'm a writer. But so I know someone who worked at the Players' Tribune. And this person told me years ago that you know the Players Tribune the articles are not always written by the players they might do interviews and then it's written in a first person for the players by a ghost writer or they're you know heavily edited or whatever it is players are not writers writers are writers so they get writers to do it uh, and this person told me that they one time received a just kind of unprompted, received a, uh, a piece of work, and the person who sent it in just said, basically, don't you dare touch it. This is perfect. Don't edit it. Run this as is, because it's perfect. That and it was awesome. Kobe Bryant's Dear Basketball. Wow. And, and that was the one time, and they were like, okay, this is really good. We'll run it. Not only is that, like, I mean, I think that's... It was unedited. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was told. Oh, uh, that is incredible. That was just Kobe writing that. Like, Kobe just... So, like, people talk about Mamba mentality. Mm -hmm. That's not a basketball persona. Mm -hmm. Like, that was his life... That was a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That was what he did. That extended into his poetry, which we didn't know was a thing. Meanwhile, Dear Basketball goes and wins an Oscar. Right. Um, I just... I think... I've always loved that. I've always found it almost funny because it, it sounds like Kobe satire, you know? But I just think today it's such a cool story. That epitomizes Kobe perfectly, I think. I mean, yeah. he always demanded perfection. And, um, you know, I think it was, I mean, it's several years back now, but, um, you know, our colleague David Aldridge interviewed him, I think it was after a game, and he's like, um, I think it was after one of the game winners, and he asked Kobe about something surprising him uh, about the, the shot that he made to win the game. And David goes, were you surprised? And he said, Kobe says he was. And Aldridge then asked, like, why? He said, well, I, I missed several shots in the game. That That's always surprising to me. And then he just walked off the interview. I mean, that that's just Kobe. I mean, Kobe just wanted perfection in everything he did. I mean, I feel like... Out of all the players that were in his generation, I mean, he had to be up there with one of the hardest workers, always working, always wanting to perfect his craft. And, you know, that story of that you just said about him, you know, not wanting edited Dear Basketball and it goes and wins an Oscar. I think that just perfectly epitomizes who Kobe was as a person and player. I love that story. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I, it probably sticks with me more as a writer because I'm like, that guy can go. That's phenomenal. Play basketball <laughs> like that. And then he can go write that without, <laughs> yeah. and just he just does that. Uh, it's 
it's it's somewhat infuriating as a writer mm-hmm. because it's amazing, and it is it is just it is great that he just kind of sent it in and was like, "Don't you dare let your editors touch this thing." It's it's good to go, and it was. He was a hundred percent right. It was a really, not that I'm a poet, but it was a really good poem and one of the better, more iconic Players Tribune pieces ever. I mean, you say "Dear Basketball," like everyone knows. Yep. 100%. Everyone knows what that is. Yep. You know. Yeah. No, it's. I actually watched it. Um, I went down during halftime and watched it, and I mean, today obviously it hits harder, but I mean, now learning that you know he didn't want anyone to edit it or it possibly might not have been edited by anybody just makes it even that more incredible than it was when it came out what was it like three four years ago now i guess it was right before his retirement so that would have been spring of 26 well i guess he retired spring of 2016 so it was whenever would have been about four years ago yeah yeah i'm like and you can when you watch it i mean you can just i mean he's he's the words themselves you can just tell how much the game of basketball meant for him and i think when you watch it now like and seeing his post-retirement life and we were just talking about how you know he wants to give back to well he wanted to give back to this next generation like you can hear you can hear it in those words when you actually watch that film and understand like how much this game actually meant to him yeah you have a favorite kobe moment well, I grew up in New York, and my family did not have money to go to Knicks games. So we would, whenever the Lakers would come, we would go to New Jersey. I think it was Continental Airlines Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nets games were not very pricey at all. Um, it didn't matter who they played. I, and I was actually telling Vince Carter this uh, a few weeks ago, but you know, anytime the Raptors would come, you know, I'd have my dad go to New Jersey. But... There's so many Kobe memories. I mean, the 81 point game, the last one was just perfect. Kobe, um, you know, what did he score 60 in that game? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was probably. I mean, obviously, that's the one that sticks out recently. There are just too many to choose from. Um, you know, just watching him on TV, winning those championships with Shaq, throwing his arms up in the air, standing on the table with his arms spread out as confetti fall, uh, fell on him. I mean, there are just so many. I, I, it's hard for me to choose right now in the moment i mean do you have one does one stick out more than the others i mean it's kind of the players review thing yeah i mean my favorite my favorite on court moment that that 60 point game might be the most fun i've ever had watching a basketball game Mm -hmm. in my living room it was to to finish his career it was perfect and i Mm -hmm. at that point i was i was covering the league it was like Right before I became like I became an NBA beat writer, like a week or two after that, and I was sitting on my couch, unemployed, watching Kobe's last game, and he, I mean, people talk. He took sixty. He took fifty shots to get to sixty, <laughs> which is part of what made it so fun, right? Because yeah. he was just chucking from the beginning, and it, the game was meaningless. Yeah, it didn't matter how many shots he took. I wanted Kobe to shoot every single time the yep. Lakers were on the floor, on the offensive side of the floor. I don't care where he was. Kobe needed to shoot. It didn't matter if he shot 100 times. Right. Like, but what he was, needed to do it. What was fun and what was crazy was that he 
shot horribly mm-hmm. in like the first two and a half quarters of that game, maybe even three quarters. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth quarter, he went off. He went off. Like he actually went off. Yeah. Like so people talk about, yeah, he took 50 shots, which is obviously ridiculous. But he took he he went off in that fourth quarter. It was like he said this I have to give literally every single last drop in the tank before I am done mm-hmm. and just gave out everything and was legit hitting he was hitting every shot mm-hmm. in that fourth quarter. He was amazing in that fourth quarter. In that fourth quarter, when you're just like, oh my God, is he going to get 50? And, oh, he got 50. And, and, and then the, he gets to 60. It was, it was, it was just thrilling basketball. I, I forget who they played now, but the, the opposing team, it wasn't like they were just letting him shoot no. the ball. Like they were like in his face, like, you know, face guarding him and everything. And Kobe didn't care. Like he was, he was going to shoot. He was going to shoot. And I thought that I mean, it was just a perfect ending to his career because, you know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, people gave Kobe crap about you know being a ball hog or shooting shots that he probably shouldn't shoot. But in that one game, in that final game, I mean, it was just a perfect ending. He didn't care. I mean, he was gonna do whatever it took to leave every single ounce of energy left that he had in his career on the court that night, and I think he did. Yeah, and it's just you talk to the people. You talk to the guys in the locker room, and it's like, I feel like this is going to stick with the NBA for a really long time. I think it should stick with the NBA mm-hmm. for a really long time. Like This is, I don't know what the league is going to do. Mark Cuban says that the Mavs are going to retire 24. Um, I wonder if other teams are going to follow. Yeah, I think Trey said it perfectly. Um, someone asked him about... Mark Cuban doing that and Trey said um, nobody in the world is going to be mad if the league decided to retire 24 number 8 league wide and he said like there's no reason for anybody in basketball to have any sort of ill will if that actually happens so it's going to be interesting I mean he's obviously one of the most transcendent players of our generation in basketball's history um, you know, to play on the court. So I would assume that the NBA is going to do something league-wide. I, I mean, he's just on that level where you kind of have to do something, I think. What do you think? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, whatever they do, they do. Like, everybody grieves in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. And... Um, I don't know. I don't know what would be right. Um, you know, it's not just Kobe. It's they lost, mm-hmm. you know, he lost his daughter. There were, you know, the, 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 the what was it, L.A. County Sheriff, right, mm-hmm. got up on a podium today and said that nine, nine people died in that crash, including thoughts with John Altabe- uh, Altabelli, by the way, who was an assistant coach on the Cape Cod Summer Baseball League team that I was the play-by-play guy for in college Um, and was a a college baseball coach in California as well. And his daughter was on that plane too. And And it's just, and wife. And it's just, it's just a tragedy in so many different ways, you know? It's just kind of, it just kind of, it just hits you. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just, it's hard having these conversations. It was hard listening to, you know, Trey. I mean, 
I don't know if you wanted to talk about it, but you know Lloyd Pierce before the game yeah. gave one of the most heartfelt statements that I've ever heard. Um, you know, his he was speaking. Lloyd Pierce, the Hawks head coach, um, he was talking before the game, and you know he mentioned the fact that his cousin, um, who was in the Navy, died in 1998 in a helicopter crash, and he hadn't told. I don't think he had told the team about it until today when the news came out that Kobe also died in a plane crash um I mean I'm sure if you're listening to this you follow Fred on Twitter but he posted the full transcript of Lloyd's quote and it's it's heartbreaking it's also incredible at the same time that you know Pierce was able to tell this in such an eloquent and beautiful way and really captured you know kind of you know the beauty of life I mean and how soon it can go and you know grieving and all that I, I, I mean it was just incredible and super heartfelt and probably one of the most you know I, th- I think it was like two minutes but easily the most prolific two minutes of interviews that I've had so far covering the Hawks in two seasons it was magnificent it was amazing yeah I could not believe I mean he was tearing up I could not believe that he composed his mind enough to sit there and for six minutes give that inspiring and beautiful and, as you said, heartfelt of a speech. It was seriously... Unreal. It was... It was unbelievably moving. It was a moment when you're like, every once in a while you see why somebody's a coach, by the way. I'll always remember... Um, Monty Williams's eulogy mm-hmm. at his wife's funeral. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my life. But I will always be so unbelievably moved and impressed by what he did up there. And at those moments, you're like, well, this is why this guy's a coach. He's an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this person is an, is an actual inspiration. And I felt that same way when Lloyd Pierce was up there talking. Because that was amazing. That was like really amazing. Yeah. That really, it was unbelievable. I mean, I'm I'm only 27 years old, and I haven't experienced death like that before in my family. Um, and I'm just thinking of like how I would actually be in a situation where a death obviously affected Lloyd that you know deeply and that personally, and then to sit in front of you know, a room full of people that, you know, you don't really know. I mean, a lot of these reporters today don't cover the Hawks normally, and he's sitting there in front of these people who he has no idea who they are. And, you know, there's cameras in his face, there's microphones in his face, and to sit there and say something so beautiful and moving, it's incredible. And I, I don't, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I don't know how I would be in that situation. I couldn't imagine doing something like that and to do it so beautifully like he did I mean like you said there are moments where you feel like where you can see like okay like this is why this person is in power or this is why this person has this sort of role and I think that quote I mean that statement really showed why Pierce is in the role he's in and and why he's so well respected league-wide anything else 
there was a game. Anything else you want to say? There was a game. <laughs> I don't think anybody cares about the game, but. No. Uh, the Wizards gave up 152 <laughs> points. I believe the Wizards and the Hawks have been involved in every 150-plus point game so far this season. And uh, so it's only fitting that when they play each other, <laughs> there's another one. Because um, the Wizards and the Hawks have either scored or given up every 150-point total so far this year, which is... Uh, you know, props to them. We've had yeah. the all-defensive bowl these last two games because the Wizards just played the mm-hmm. Wizards are 30th ranked, and they just played the number 29 ranked Cavaliers, and then came here and played the number 28th ranked Hawks, and then they get the number one ranked Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday. Wow! Wow! Quite the turnaround. <laughs> Quite the turnaround. Um, anything? I mean, I'm sure you'll have you'll have a Kobe story out tomorrow morning, right? Yeah. So, um, gonna have something on Trey and. Um, his relationship with Kobe and and his daughter, like I said, Gianna, um, Kobe's daughter, Trey was her favorite player, so I'm gonna have something on that. But um, even just across the athletic, we have so many great writers who are gonna have so many Kobe stories and Kobe memories. So I, it's gonna be so much content to keep up with, but that's the, the best part about working for the athletic is that the breadth of coverage that we're going to have for something this profound, I don't know where else you can get this kind of coverage. Yeah, and uh, you should know, if you are not an athletic subscriber, I won't even tell you to subscribe today because all that's going to be no paywall. It's all free. It's all going to be open to the public, every Kobe story. So you're going to be able to go on The Athletic and and you can read all of this stuff. Um, And I don't know, when I'm... When I'm uh, going through something bad, it's always nice to know that other people are going through it too. And I hope some of these stories will be able to help with that. I'll have a little Kobe thing on tonight too. Um, Mostly talking about just like kind of how moving Lloyd Pierce was and then some thoughts from the the Wizards locker room. And I'm going to tell with a little more detail, I think, that, that Players' Tribune story, which I really do love so much um i'll be back with another episode after uh i guess after the bucks game on on tuesday um that'll be up on wednesday morning um i'm not gonna be at that game but i'll be podcasting from home um anything else before we go no just thanks for having me i mean obviously circumstances were tough but you know it's it i think it it helps when you just talk through it and you can laugh about some of the memories you can you know share memories with people who experience different things so i i I appreciate you having me on for sure yeah such a really crappy day Mm -hmm. for everybody um but hopefully we provided um you know a little bit of help and gave some people some some smiles as, as everybody kind of goes through the same thing right now. I'll, uh, I'll be back on Tuesday. Maybe we'll talk about some basketball. Either way, I'll talk to you guys then.